Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you decided to stop by. This spring, we are working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Each week, we will be journeying through this gospel to learn about the life, character, and teachings of Jesus. Today, Lori continues our series by looking at Mark chapter 4 and Jesus' teaching on the four soils, which are four conditions of our heart. This message was recorded on February 3rd, 2022 at the McKee Lecture Hall at UNC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are. Leave as a new creation. Um, cool. Well, we're going to start the night with testimonies which is super, super fun, and it's just an opportunity for someone to um, talk about what God has done in their lives and how they've grown in their walk with Jesus, and so we're going to have CJ share her testimony. All right, bear with me, because singing up here is much different than actually talking to you guys. I know all of you, but seeing all your faces at once is terrifying anyways. Um, well, if you don't know me, I'm CJ. Um, hi. Hi. <laughs> Um, I was really struggling with figuring out kind of where to start, um, and I've gotten a lot of advice on how this goes, so let's see what I, I got. I wrote my testimony out, came out to seven pages long, guys. It was a lot. And then I realized that a majority of it actually didn't need to be there because a majority of it wasn't my testimony. Um, something that Samantha and I talked about today was how, um, a lot of people when they share their testimonies, it's like, 75% of what I've been through, 25% of what God has done, and that should be flipped, you know? 25% of it should be where I came from, 75% of what God has been doing in my life. Um, Short background, I'm gonna like talk really fast because I'm nervous, so bear with me. (laughs) Um, So I did not really grow up in a Christian home. Um, My parents, I remember going until I was like seven years old, and then we stopped going once we moved cities. and I didn't step foot into a church unless my dad forced me to. You know, my parents were divorced. Mom didn't go. Dad did. Dad forced us to go. I hated it. I'm not a warning person. And it was like 6 in the morning. I hated it. It was horrible. <laughs> um, but my mom was very, like, she was a big inspiration for me and a big part of my life and a role model. And so that really frustrated me when around 18, 17 years old, she started going to church, and I was like, Mom, you know, I don't like this. I don't want to go do this. I don't want to wake up early. Luckily, church services were at night, so I had no excuse, really. And I still was frustrated. I got mad. I just didn't want to go. And, um, you know, I, was, I came to college in 2017. Um, I'm 1,000 miles away from home. If you didn't know that, I'm not from here. I'm from Arizona. I'm very far from home, and it was my first time of freedom, and... Uh, God started working very quickly. I think two weeks into school, um, I had two girls from crew come knocking on my door, which I don't know if they're on campus anymore, but they came knocking on my door, and that was my kind of door opening for me to figure out who God was, and um, I was working a lot. I um, was working. It was March of 2019. I was sitting at a desk in the campus commons. I (laughs) was the manager over there, and in the room behind me, I could hear this really loud British guy screaming, and I heard an even louder, even bigger Irish guy fighting with him. So (laughs) if you know what I'm talking about, you're an OG for sure. Um, Heard them fighting, and 
I had a girl from um, Texas A&M, the mission team, I think. Her name was Becca. She missed the whole entire Chi Alpha service to sit outside and talk with me. And that was kind of my first idea of what a godly, living a godly life was kind of like, what being a godly person meant. She introduced me to Lori and Emily, who soon became my small group leaders. And Fall Salt 2019 happened. I'm trying to make this short. I'm just kind of skimming through. Um, and I remember God at 2019 Fall Salt was like, CJ, you need to be patient. I have something in store for you. You need to be patient. And at that time, I was very dead set on getting into a romantic relationship and very poor mindset to be at, definitely at Fall Salt also. <laughs> and almost immediately out of Fall Salt, um, about three weeks later, I met a guy and he said everything perfectly. He treated me perfectly. He was, he was great. He was Catholic. And I was like, we can work with this. Very quickly in, you know, three months in, I walk into our shared apartment where I was living in sin. And I, I see him with another girl, his ex-girlfriend, in fact, and broke me to pieces. I remember staying up till four in the morning begging God to kill me. It was not my proudest moment, but it was my truth. You know, at that time, I just wanted God to take me down because I didn't want to do it myself. I wasn't brave enough, but it was also just like, I don't, this isn't worth it anymore. You know, the guy that I've given everything to just crushed me. And so um, this, this person convinced me somehow to stay with them. It was not, again, I was not living a great life. Stayed with them for 10 extra months. And in those 10 extra months, I got my fingers broken. I was pushed up against a wall, had my mouth covered. I was abused verbally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. I was everything. And December 2020, he breaks up with me. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I put up with all this and you break up with me? Like, the audacity was real, guys. And that kind of was like God saying, you know, you're not going to get rid of it, so I'm going to get rid of it for you. I lost everything. <laughs> um, I was living in Samantha's house, who I barely knew, guys, for two weeks in a stranger's bedroom because I didn't have a home and I was living out of my car, um, which if you guys know what I drive, it's very small. <laughs> I have a very small car. And so it was not my proudest time and I was very heartbroken, and February last year, last year, this boy who broke me came back and begged me to take him back, and I did, and when I started, you know, not giving him what he wanted, um, he started taking it, unfortunately, and that led to me being assaulted in March last year, and that was my wake-up call. I came back to Chi Alpha the day after it happened, actually, and Duncan saw me and he was like, CJ's back. And everybody who knew me cheered. And that was God showing me what I'd been missing. Um, having everybody be so welcoming after I had turned my back on everybody was very overwhelming. And that night, Duncan preached on secret sin and atonement. And it was literally, I, I kid you not, guys, it was like the quickest thing I've ever seen happen to me. My heart, my mind, my soul, it all just switched at once. And I got down on my knees and repented and cried out to God saying, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and from then on, it was, it was a game changer, guys. So, and um, I'm trying not to cry, it's a lot. <laughs> and so from that day on, I just was like, life is literally not worth it unless God is there. Like, I have never been happier I have never been surrounded by so many people who love me. Like, everyone in this room is one of my closest, my bestest friends. And I never would have had it if I didn't have God. 
And if I wouldn't have woken up, like, I was living deep in sin. Like, I thought that not, there was nothing that could take me out of it, guys. And the only thing that got me out of it was Jesus, like, completely. Um, and I've had so many people who I've shared, my ex- like, the full extent of my testimony with, just like, CJ, how did you do it? How did you pull yourself out? And I'm like, no, 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 that, that wasn't me. That was completely Jesus. Um, and I always, when I share my testimony, I'm always trying to make sure people understand that it's not a pity party. You know, it's sad, but it, I wouldn't change a thing. I really wouldn't um, because it's, it's not me telling this for people to be like, wow, she's come so far. Because it's not about how far I've come. It's about how far God has literally brought me. Like, I am now pursuing some of the biggest things I'd never, ever, like, I remember someone looked at me, and they were like, oh, you're going to do the internship, and I laughed in their face. I was like, heck no, I ain't doing it, and I just submitted my application for the internship for this upcoming fall, and so <laughs> I am going through LTC, I'm becoming a small group leader, I am, I'm spending almost every single day with my bestest, closest friends, like, I'm just putting it out there, guys, if you don't know Jesus, and if you haven't accepted that into your life, you're missing out. It's seriously the greatest thing. So if I can encourage you from anything, like God can do so much with so little. I had nothing and look what he's done. Seriously, guys, that's a little bit. If you want to hear it in depth, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to sit down. It takes like an hour. So give me like an hour of your time. My testimony is long. But again, it's 25% testimony, like what I've been through and 75% of what God's done. And God has done a lot. So yeah, I know that was long. I apologize. But <laughs> Yeah, give it up. Thanks, CJ. That was great. Okay, um, well, praise God. That's awesome. We have some announcements. Yeah. First one, blind date with a book. Yeah. So, ladies, uh, this is for ladies. It's going to be our Galentine's event. Please note that there has been a change of date. We realized that the original date we picked was the night of the Super Bowl and that that might cause some conflict. So we chose the Saturday before. So now it's Saturday, February 12th from 6 to 8, still same location and everything. Um, You guys are going to be able to sample some ODGs. You're going to be able to win some free books. You're going to be able to go on a date with an ODG. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. There's going to be good food and good drinks and Lori's involved with food. So you know that's going to be good. Yeah. (laughs) So come. And this is also a really cool thing to bring people to. So if you want like a really laid back chill event for your friends who maybe aren't involved in Chi Alpha to come to, this is a really good thing to bring them to. Okay. All right. Next thing is. Oh. Okay. That's our only um, announcement. So. There you go. Um, Okay, so we're going to do Honor Bombs next. Yeah. And just so you guys know, uh, the reason we do Honor Bombs is we believe in Chi Alpha that it's important to honor one another. And not just the cool things that we admire about each other, but the things that we see God doing in each other. Um, Because ultimately we are honoring Christ in each one of us. And so that's why we do Honor Bombs. Um, so we have Duncan and Jada honoring tonight. Come on up. <laughs> Ladies first. Go, Jada. Whoop, whoop. 
so the person that I want to honor has been a, a very good friend of mine for a while. I've gotten to know him over the last couple, the last year, maybe year and a half. He's been an older brother to me, but also somebody who has been able to lead me closer to God and just always be there uh, to answer my questions when I'm curious about things. Um, and this man is Mark. You've always been like an older brother that I look up to, and you're always willing to sacrifice your time and everything that you have to open up your home, but also just your just time for everything for other people, and I really admire that. And actually, what I wrote, read this morning was Proverbs 4, 7 through 9, um, and that says, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding, cherish her and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a, a garland to grace your head and pre present you with glorious crown. And I think that Mark is one of the wisest men I know. Um, he chases God with all he has, and he literally sacrifices everything to make sure that he is in one with God. And if he doesn't feel like he is, he sacrifices more to get to know him more. And I really admire that about you. Um, just where you've come from to where you are now, is like truly a godly thing and to know like what you've been through to see who you are now it's like it's a whole new you and it's been an honor to like get to know you and love you and call you my friend and my brother and some of the words that I would use to describe you gotta go back uh, <laughs> is humble brave patient courageous strong wise a leader and a man of God so if anybody wants any like further like questions answered or just to be like filled more with wisdom if you don't get it from the bible which i recommend you do go to mark because <laughs> he answers all the questions he uses big words so bring a dictionary but he's a great man and i love him man how in the world do I follow that? Unbelievable. Thanks a lot. Man. Well, um, I've been thinking a lot about who to honor this entire week. And, uh, you know, it's real cold tonight. And I was praying that he would come. And he, he did. He's here. So I want to honor my boy Cade. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, y'all know Cade? Y'all know Cade, right? Yeah. <laughs> this, this man, okay, first of all, I just, I, I want to tell you how I met him, okay? I'm going to take, because, look, I started this ministry, I can, I can take as long as I want, okay? <laughs> Cade, okay, so the day I met Cade, um, we were like throwing a football or something, I can't remember, but then I was like, hey man, do you want to go to a house that you don't know and eat African food? And he was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and we went to this person's house and ate African. You remember that, right? And we all got like super, well, I got kind of sick, but anyway. <laughs> the reason I wanted to honor Cade is because this man has a real walk with Jesus. Like his Devo life is amazing. He always has something to say about the Lord every time you hang out with him. He's super chill, right? You, you guys know Cade, right? He's super chill. Like, his emotions are totally chill. Like, I don't know what he is like in private. Maybe, maybe he's hiding that. But, like, 
dude, is like totally constant. The Lord has like completely given him this like, you know, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, you know, and so like that's evidence that he has uh, the Holy Spirit in his life. I'm being totally serious, you know, and, and the dude works out. He takes care of his body, which is awesome, but he doesn't let it get to his head. He's super humble about it, and I really think that's, a, that's the character of Jesus, and um, I was just praying about, Lord, give me a verse for Cade, and the Lord gave me Matthew 16, 25, and it says this, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Yeah. Right? And so Kate is this guy, like, he would have been that guy in high school I wanted to be like, you know, but he hasn't let that define him, you know. He, he has completely lost his life in Jesus. And I think that's amazing. So, man, I love you. I'm grateful for brothers, man. Really awesome. So y'all give it up for Cade. <laughs> Yeah, honor bombs. Cool. Okay, guys, it's that time of the night. And I just want to say that this is the most incredible and faithful and wise. Just look up any positive adjective in the dictionary and it will describe Lori Chance. <laughs> Yeah! She's amazing. She's walking the opposite direction, but that's okay. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> yeah! So give her a minute. You can't move that one. It's going to blind you the entire time. Sure. It's really right good time. Here. Yeah. All right, so you want to flip it? This is good. However, you have to do it. The little lip always bothers me. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> no, I guess not. I don't know why I'm nervous because I know all of you and I love all of you. I don't know. Something about a microphone. <laughs> anyway, thank you. Is this good right here? All right. I'm going to move. I'm going to scooch, scooch, scooch. I am so pumped about tonight. So we're going through Mark, um, and Mark was written to the Romans, uh, you know, people who aren't, you know, traditionally rooted in Judaism, not rooted in Christianity, and it's written to um, the outsider, and so that's why we chose this book to go through. And I, lucky me, I landed with Mark 4, and this is like such a big deal to me um, because I like gardening. And Mark 4 is all about these, like, agrarian truths of planting seeds and watching what happens and learning that you had very little to do with it, but still you have something to do with it. Um, and I personally started guarding because I wanted to learn God's heart. And uh, my grandmother was a gardener, and so I kind of wanted to learn why she loved it. And um, I learned a lot, you know, and I figured if I could learn gardening on this simple biological level, then I could learn it on a spiritual level, you know, because there's a translation there. Um, and it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of commitment to see something all the way to fruition, um, but it's always worth it. And so I just want to dig in with you guys and explain more about that. 
So Mark 4 is all about the sower, the seed, and four different soils. And each of these soils, for anyone who's not familiar with this parable, describes every single kind of heart on the planet. All of us here, we exemplify one of these four soils. Um, We all hope to be one of them, and we all hope to not be three of them. But the reality is um, we may have all four soils present in this room. I don't know because I can't see your hearts, but God can. And so I want to invite you to just listen to his voice tonight as he speaks to you and as he does what he does. Let the Holy Spirit soften you and really listen to what he has to say. So the big question is, why does Jesus hide kingdom truths inside of a parable? Like, it's kind of weird, right? Um, Jesus will, like, tell a story that isn't exactly the story, and you're like, so what's up with the mystery? Why can't you just, like, give me the plain truth? Um, This is why. Because when given information, we have a tendency to listen and then forget. That's just how it is. But when given a story, not just our minds are captivated, but our hearts are involved. And this is Jesus' method to speak to the crowds so that they remember his heart. Yeah. Um, And so this entire parable describes God's heart and his method for growing his kingdom, one heart at a time. That's why I love it. So let's read it together. Mark 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30 some 60, and some 100 times. Hmm. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. I'm just going to say, if you're going to take the time to plant a seed, let's say you're growing tomatoes, it's devastating when you get nothing. You want some tomatoes. That's why you planted the seed, (laughs) right? God is the same way. He's planting his seed intentionally because he wants to see something happen. So keep that in mind. So Jesus describes this parable to the crowds, and the disciples are with him, and they're like, 
I don't get it. <laughs> like a farmer throws his seed away on the road. What? Like, is he like dumb or what's going on? And so Jesus explains to the disciples. He says, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus is explaining to them the sower is God, and the seed is his word, and each of the four soils is a different kind of heart. We have um, the wayside heart that is brick hard, just like a road. We have a shallow, rocky heart where some things grow, but they don't last very long because they have no root. They have Others are a weedy, thorny heart. Um, and they have too many weeds in their lives, and it chokes out the gospel. And lastly, there's good soil, the good heart that bears fruit 30, 60, and 100-fold. What I love about this parable is that I always learn more every time I read it. And it's only like, what, like 20 verses all together? But God's word is so much deeper than we expect. And so as I'm reading it, I'm really thinking to myself, God has so much seed that he can scatter it everywhere, right? He's rich. He's a rich farmer, and he's not a stingy farmer. Um, And why? It doesn't make sense um, to someone who doesn't know God why someone would put seed on a road because the birds are just going to snatch it up anyway. And I kept thinking about it, and it's because God is indiscriminate with his giving. He gives to everyone, everywhere, all over the world. Whatever the condition of your heart, it doesn't matter. He loves you, and he wants to make his word available to you. And that's why he scatters it in places that, to us, maybe don't make sense. Um, God's desperate to sow his word in you. So the big question tonight that you should all be asking yourselves is, which soil am I? Holy Spirit, I just ask that you show everyone here the condition of their heart. So let's start. Soil number one, the wayside heart. Some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. These are the ones who, beside the road, where the word is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. 
Um, the best way that I can describe this kind of road is uh, before roads were really created, is you just keep walking through a field. A lot of people do. And eventually so many people walk through that field that grass doesn't grow there anymore or crops don't grow there anymore because all it is is just a long trail of dirt. And it's walked over again and again and again until it becomes so hard and eventually it's a common road. So like, you know, those signs that say like, stay off the grass. It's because they don't want you to like pave a trail through a really grassy like, you know, place on campus or something, right? Um, but before people had concrete and asphalt, like you just, you just walk wherever you want and eventually enough people will make a trail and a road. Um, <clears throat> in his book, A Gardener Looks at the Fruits of the Spirit, Philip Keller describes this. He says, often, quite unknown to ourselves, our souls are being set against the very one who tends us with such loving attention. Christ comes to us in compassion to implant the seed of his own special word. He endeavors to cultivate the soil of our lives by the inner working of his own gentle spirit, but he runs into resistance. The soil has been hardened by the impaction of a thousand other passersby. Our Father knows and sees us. He alone has carefully examined explored and investigated every square foot of the little garden of our lives. Having gone over all the ground with great care, he alone knows that there are some areas, some beaten pathways, where he simply cannot get a single seed of his own gracious life to grow. In some lives belligerence, animosity, and ill will have beaten a trail through our thinking for so long that not a single good seed dropped there by the gracious spirit of God can ever grow. The same wretched old thoughts have set our souls brick hard. I'm sure everyone understands what it feels like to be walked on, right? Um, and sometimes people don't walk on us. Sometimes they just walk through us, you know, and, and sometimes not even in a bad way. Um, people pass in and out of your life constantly, and they always will. But you have to gauge the level of influence that they have and what kind of influence it is. Um, you know, family, friends, they'll all pass through your heart. Um, there are things that you invite in to pass through your heart. Uh, you think of media or music, um, all different kinds of influences. We let those things in. Here's the thing. God just wants to pass through your heart. But if all of those influences that you're letting in harden you against God, he can't pass through your heart because you've locked him out, and he can't even sow a single seed of his word. Um, <laughs> and all of those things can harden your heart. And you have to understand, when God walks through your heart, through the garden of your heart, he treads lightly. He's soft, and he's delicate, and he's careful. And he's not rough or careless with you. He's kind. And I really hope that this 
is not a description of any of you, because that's, that's hard. Um, the second soil is a stony heart without deep roots. So this soil kind of looks fine on the surface. You see dirt, you know, and technically something can get planted there, but there's no depth at all. So underneath is also hard. They hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves but are only temporary. Then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. So the problem with this kind of a heart is it allows all of the easy parts of God's word to come in, right? Good vibes only. Um, But (laughs) it's true, it's true. But when um, this heart comes across something hard, a hard truth in scripture, um, maybe something that they would consider offensive, um, maybe a warning that God gives us to not live a certain way, or when he describes a boundary, you know, this is not my way, that's when this person says, never mind. Yeah. Um, Yep, all the rocks in your heart prevent the rest of God's word from sinking in. So what does this kind of person look like? Um, A rocky-hearted person Uh, They're soft on the surface, but impenetrable below. They might engage God on a surface level. And this kind of person, I think, is a fan of religion, right? Because religion has a tendency to keep us at a distance from God, right? As long as we do the rhythms, you know, do the things, all the steps, we're good. We don't really want it to get deeper than that. Um, I mean, we do, but this person doesn't. Uh, they are so surface level that they don't allow God to have any depth in their heart. Um, They might have an appreciation for Christian community, but because they have no depth, they will eventually fall away from it. Originally receive the gospel with joy, but because they don't actually have a connection to Christ himself, they're going to grow dull. Um, Ezekiel actually prophesied about this with a lot of people. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. And so God is describing his heart for his people. He doesn't want to leave you as you are. He wants to make you as soft as he is, and he wants to be with you. Um, And it's so beautiful. So two things will create a stony heart. Um, And I'm sure you have people in your life that are like this. So please pay attention, because maybe you can help them. Um, unbelief. Uh, the unbelieving heart is unwilling to believe that Jesus is the only way. Unbelief will not believe that God is the actual author of the Bible, and they will not submit their own heart to God for transformation because they believe it's unnecessary, because good vibes only, right? God's just adding to my life, not changing it. 
So how to break your unbelief, right? Thank you. Um, how to break your unbelief. Ask God sincerely to show you himself. You need to look at God. Um, you need to understand who he is, and you need to develop a relationship with him. But you can't do that unless you meet him first. Um, the second step is ask God to show you yourself and the hard condition of your own inner will. And thirdly, ask God to impart you with great faith because we all have it as small as a mustard seed. Just let him grow it. The second thing that contributes to this kind of heart is ingratitude and pessimism. Deep beneath the surface of superficial smiles lies hard, resistant, sometimes defiant attitudes of resentment towards God's arrangement of their affairs. This type of grumbling heart is fatal to Christian growth. God simply cannot produce fruit on such gravelly ground. I mean, really, who, who could produce any kind of fruit on this kind of ground? Unless, not even God can. Unless we are aware of this habit, it can become a chronic condition. We can develop a mindset that habitually sees only the dark, difficult side of life. We can become tough, demanding, and abrasive. This is not good ground to grow God's good fruit. How do we combat this mindset, this attitude? We acknowledge God's goodness and his grace. Literally list every single thing that you could possibly be grateful for. God, I'm grateful for puppies. I'm grateful for my friend. I'm grateful for a school to go to. I'm grateful for a bed to sleep in. List everything. Acknowledge that it comes from him. Accept his management of your life. We all like to self-manage, but we don't all do very well, do we? God does it much better. Let him. Approve of his arrangement of your affairs. We will not always have ideal conditions in our lives. That's okay. God can still grow you, and you can still be good inside, even when things aren't good outside, okay? The condition of your heart should not be dependent on your circumstances or surroundings. should be dependent on the Lord because he's good. I love you, George. <laughs> All right, so um, we're grateful because God is with us. That's why we're grateful, and that is better than any other good thing. The third heart is the, the thorny heart, lost in the weeds. <sighs> Most of the church is right here, especially the church in the West. This might sting a little bit. If this is you, just know that God writes these things because he loves you and he wants to reach you, okay? Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. If anyone is familiar with gardening, the weeds will always come. They do not stop. 
It is a constant uphill battle. And I have literally seen weeds wrap tendrils around a stalk and choke it to death. And this is what the worries of the world do to you. They wrap themselves through your heart and around it and choke the life out of it until not even God's seed can grow. God is serious when he says, do not worry. He loves you. He's asking you to trust him. He can take care of the details. You can trust him. And a lot of us are infested with those weeds. And it will completely compromise your harvest. There are three types of weeds that we should watch out for. The worries of the world. These are things that we can care about, things that make us anxious, um, just different interests that we have that we're fixated on. The deceitfulness of wealth. It is not your friend. It does not love you, okay? Desire for other things. Materialism, the obsession with coveting things in your life. These are the weeds that are God's primary competitors for your heart. So we're going to spend a little bit longer on this. Weed number one, the worries of the world. Um, We have practical things we need to think about, like getting a job, paying taxes, right? Buying a car. Fine. But you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to obsess over it, right? Um, So many of us are polaristic in our thinking, where we think that we can only be concerned about taking care of our own needs or focus on God. It doesn't have to be that way. We can responsibly care for both. Blended. That's fine. Um, God calls it stewardship. Um, You don't have to neglect either of them. I love this. To worry is to borrow sorrow from tomorrow. So, (laughs) shush. Um, To borrow sorrow from tomorrow. It's unnecessary. I love that Jesus focuses in his word so much about the concept of today. Today is always the most important day for you and Jesus. Always. Yesterday's gone. Don't worry about it. It's written. It's done. We're not even guaranteed tomorrow. Focus on today. Every day, just focus on today. Um, If you find it difficult to relax and enjoy today or to enjoy God's presence, this might be you. Um, If you tend to be controlling and try to control the outcome of tomorrow, this might be you. Um, How do you prevent this? By keeping Jesus at the center of your heart. You give him the uttermost place of priority, and nothing else is allowed to sit on that because you say so. Nothing else will occupy the center of my heart because I will not allow it to. That belongs to God. The second weed is the deceitfulness of wealth. (sighs) The West, hear me. Wealth is uh, really tricky because it has a tendency 
to invite us to put our trust in it. Um, Rather than the one who gave you the ability to accumulate it. Do you see? Yes. God is the ultimate supplier. Everything else is just a resupply from him. Trusting money will lead you away from God. It can buy a lot, and it can even make you feel really happy sometimes, and it can give you some cool stuff that you want. Um, It can make you feel secure for a season, but it's just a season. You will always want more tomorrow. Um, And it will never be able to buy you the fruit of the Spirit. Can money buy love? (laughs) Joy? Peace? No, absolutely not. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Can it buy you self-control? No, you probably spent it way too fast anyway. Um, I'm just saying, it's not a diss. It's not a diss. It's just human nature. Um, So that is the fruit of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit comes from only the spirit, okay? It doesn't, you can't buy these things. It comes from God's supply. It comes from accepting his seed, receiving it, and allowing it to grow forth from you. So, okay, we can't put our trust in money. We can't obsess over it. We can't love it. How should we rightfully perceive wealth or pursue it? With gratitude. With gratitude, because you're grateful that God is giving you a tool. Money is just a tool. That's it. It's just an assist so that you can feed your family, so that you can pay for transportation, so that you can go through life. It's not the center of life. It's just a part of it. No big deal. All right, the desires for other things. So, simply put, Jesus is talking about slavery to materialism. It is to pursue things with a greater heart than pursuing God. And it's settling for second best. When you're obsessed with a collection of things, you do not possess them. They possess you. And that's what makes a slave. Materialism will invite you to get, get, get. But it's Jesus who confronts this by challenging us to give, give, give. And this is how we defy materialism. And we do not let it to own our hearts. So all of these three weeds are so common that I would gamble that at least one tries to occupy your heart every day. Every day. It will constantly try to root root down deep and totally take it over. The reason why gardeners don't like weeds is if you don't tend your garden, if you, say, leave town for a month and come back, you will not have a crop anymore. You're like, I didn't plant these weeds, but they have completely taken over and completely destroyed what was supposed to be there, what, we, what you worked hard for, gone. <sighs> if you allow these weeds to do this to you, they will destroy what God is trying to do in your life. And I really hope 
that this is none of you. But if this is you, I want you to remember that there's hope and his name is Jesus. Jesus is your master gardener and he takes care of your heart. He's patient and he's faithful and he's good and he never does a bad job. So you let him, you let him in and he will care for you. And he promises to help you with the transformation necessary so that you can become a fourth soil heart, a fourth soil person. The fourth soil is a good, soft heart ready to produce. Jesus, still, other seed fell on good, on good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and multiply and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. This is what God is trying to achieve in every single one of us. Remember, he is abundant and he does not discriminate. Jesus sees us as we are, but does not leave us as we are. We are, (laughs) I'm just telling you guys, this is all from Mark 4, okay? You want some fire, just open up your Bible. We are not, by nature, good ground. We all must be amended. Every soil, like seriously, biologically, every soil needs to be amended. There's no perfect soil on the planet. They're all imbalanced in some way. And so if you really care about your end product, you're going to amend your soil so that you can get some good tomatoes. I'm just saying. And that's what God wants from you, some really good tomatoes. Um, So he looks at our stubborn, shallow, wild, maybe abused hearts. And he takes care of them. And he sees potential for an entire orchard within you, just brimming with the fruit of the Spirit. And he's not in the business of being shysty. You know, he wants an incredible crop to come from every individual. Um, So remember, when Jesus is asking you to surrender your stones or your weeds to him, although sometimes, whatever those things may be, might feel like heartbreak, it's because he's trying to make your heart soft and ready for incredible things that he's planned for you. It's because he loves you too much to leave you as you are. It's because he wants your heart to be as tender as his. But he's not just interested in clearing out the rubble. He wants to plant his living, active word within you for the sake of production, which is multiplication. So how do we multiply Because when we multiply, that's how we return his investment in us. Is anybody a business major in here? Exactly. You want to return on that investment, right? That's why we invest, for the return. God has invested in you. And he paid a really incredible price for you. Give him a return. So what does that look like? A soft heart. It's a person who hears his word, 
receives his word, and because of that word, produces the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their character, in their conduct, and in their conversation, 30, 60, and 100 fold. When Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, he's not just saying, think about what I'm saying. He's saying, let this really sink in. Listen and do, right? Change your patterns. He's saying, this is my heart, and I'm giving it to you. Do as I say if you love me back. Um, in Chi Alpha, we have a maxim um, that we say often, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Imagine if Jesus were to give us these set of rules without offering a relationship with him. Be like, nah, no thanks. And so we rebel. Rebellion is another word for sin. But first he offers himself to us in relationship. And then when we love him, we obey. As God by his spirit reveals new areas of my life into which he wishes to move and work, my responsibility is to allow him to have his way without resistance or hindrance as he steadily and surely takes over more and more ground in my daily experience the crop yield will gradually increase from 30 to 60 to 100 fold worship team you can come up so that is it those are the four soils those are the four hearts do you guys know which one you are Do you think maybe you're the hard and stubborn-hearted one, the wayside heart? Or maybe shallow and unbelieving or ungrateful? Or maybe anxious, materialistic, and unfruitful? Or are you allowing God to pass through your heart daily, protecting it and growing new fruit in you? Every single heart needs transformation. None of us are born fourth soil hearts. We all need transformation. Life is hard, okay? We get jaded. Um, things get tough. Jesus knows that, okay? But remember, when the world beats you up, he will not. He's going to take care of you, okay? He's going to take care of your hearts. And he's going to transform them so that they look like his. Mm -hmm. So give him your heart. And as his word sprouts from your heart, the word of God will blossom from your life. And what does that look like? In Matthew, Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is how we blossom, right? This is how we begin fruition. The mouth speaks. This is how we demonstrate the fruit that God planted in us and continues to plant in us. As we preach, as we teach, as we share the word by speaking it to others, the word is scattered on hearts around us. Remember, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. There are so many people in your life. Pray for them. God, please give them ears to hear because I would love to share something with them. And I don't want fear to hold me back. 
I'm going to give it anyway, as indiscriminately as you do. That's God's method. You are God's method. Our lives and our testimonies are his method. We are responsible to scatter the seed, and God is responsible to grow the seed. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one who softens hearts. He's the one who works on us, but we have to partner with him and scatter the seed that he wants scattered on us, that others want scattered on us. We do it with abundance and without discrimination, and that is the secret to spiritual maturity. So, Scatter the gospel wherever you go, on the ears of your hard-hearted friends, your stubborn friends, your anxious friends, um, your angry friends. They all need to hear the gospel. Even your believing friends, we still need to hear the gospel, right? Yes, trust God to do the work in secret. And your heart, if you're a four-soil person, you're not finished, okay? His transformation is continuous. It's daily. He seeks to daily transform what's there. And that is okay because that's how we produce continuous fruit. That's it. Lord Jesus, help us to let you in more today than yesterday. God, help us to have tender hearts. Help us to share your word with abundance and without discrimination. God, prevent us from saying, no, I'm not going to share the gospel with you today. God, every person needs to hear it. Thank you, God, for promising to do through us what you are doing in us. We love you so much. Amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at XAUNC, and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.